All right. How you doing? Doing good, man. What's happening? Nothing much. I think it's that time. Welcome to Tibbs Chats. Well, we're going to be talking about all things basketball. We're coming at you from a perspective of a former NBA player and current head coach at Fish University. And from the point of view of an NBA enthusiast and basketball legend in his own mind. Get ready to ball out. Let's go. All right. Well, first of all, David, thank you for joining. We appreciate you calling in. Let me just introduce David first, former player under Kenny Anderson at Fisk University and definitely knows the game, played it his whole life. I'm sure he's got some opinions on the game, maybe some old school, definitely some new school. Let's just get right into it with you. You played for Kenny. And when you did join that squad, at that time, he was not the coach. But when you found out that he was coming in, did you know some things about him, some details about him? What was your uh, knowledge of Kenny? Oh, well, when we, first, when we all first found out, it was exciting. Um, me, personally, I did not know who Kenny Anderson was. Um, but, you know, you hear the rumors and all that stuff. And so immediately, me being a younger guy, I took to Google and I just Googled his name, and then boom, pops up, you know, NBA All-Star, uh, 94, I believe, and then Georgia Tech, number one recruit out of high school. Um, I saw he scored 50 in a college game, so that excited me personally uh, immediately. So whole <laughs> yeah. camp was kind of lit up. Well, you found out he's a little bit legit. Yeah, this is not just a regular NBA guy. This is, a, this is an All-Star. This is a guy <laughs> that we play at a high level. Well, I have to tell you, it's a good thing you're not playing with him now when you said you didn't know his name because that might not have worked out well for <laughs> <laughs> for a little burned at that point, but a little playing time might have been hampered by that. Kenny, what was your feeling? You know, uh, I'm sure they were nervous playing for you. You coming in and being a college coach for the first time, not being a coach for the first time, but a college coach, that had to yeah. be a little intimidating to you as well. It wasn't so much intimidating, but it's just certain things I had to learn, you know. Um, and uh, David, David, those guys, was my first year, I tell you, and I tell my team, you know, uh, this year they get a little – upset at me, but my first year, that team was really great and, and, and just just listening and, and just doing everything I asked of them, you know, and, and they was at Fisk for two, you know, for three, four years. So but by me coming in, I was trying to teach something, you know, basketball-wise. Some of those guys just had other agendas and things of that nature, but I had to learn it. And uh, David, David was, it was a pleasure coaching him, you know, for one year and and some of those guys, I wish, you know, I had a chance to coach them two and three years because they, they're just great guys to be around. You connect with them. And, yeah. you know, a year may not sound like a lot, but when you put in that kind of time with somebody, you really do connect. Yeah, I connected with them guys. We didn't win like I wanted to, but we won some of the games. You know, guys played the right way. I was getting guys to play the right way. You know, that's all you could ask. And uh, the graduation rate, it was good. So that's what that's what you, you know, for a college coach to come in and first-year coach to come in and, and do what I was doing, it was great, man. And everybody know I love Fisk, love being down here in Nashville, and, and I want to turn the program around. If we could do that, it would be something special. I think in time, I think personally in time, uh, that will happen because, like you said, you got players like David um, on the back end of their careers. 
And unfortunately, you didn't have the opportunity to really coach them up for three, four years. Your connection still with David and other players kind of helps along with the recruiting as a little bit of a family feeling as well. Because at a bigger school, they might come in and out and you knew them when they were there. And then when they're gone, they're gone. And I'm not saying that is always the case. And I'm not saying it's different from a big school to a small school. But Fisk is a little bit more of a family vibe because I remember seeing these guys even a year or two later, seeing you coaching new teams and seeing some of the same players, some of the older players coming back and just see yeah. what's going on. And uh, I know David's been in contact with you and vice versa, but to see that kind of connection, I think that people will buy into it. And you always said they play hard. They play really hard. And, you know, you could teach certain things in the game and you could work on certain aspects of the game, but one of those skills is grinding. That's a skill. And they were doing that from the jump. And I know that uh, you always appreciated that aspect of it. Dave, uh, what, what are you doing now? Um, right now, I'm a, a middle school teacher in Nashville at John Early. It's about, i say, three minutes down the road from Fist, so mm-hmm. kind of the same area. I also am the uh, women's basketball coach there as well. So Yeah. And I'm trying to, and I wanted to catch a game and I couldn't just to see one of my uh, ex-players coach. He coached the girls. And I, I just think it's, I think it's great, man. He's giving back, you know, and it's just a great thing. And I'm, for uh, next year, I hope you, you're coaching there and I could get out to a game. It's going to be very special for me to do that. Well, that's got to be a great feeling. If that pay forward that you were doing and now David's doing it on his end. And trust me, David, I've seen you play. I know how intense you get you will get thrown out of games. I'm telling you right now. I know if it hasn't happened, it is coming. I've seen it, but it's going to happen. Hey, Dave, uh, did, I, did I ever get thrown out? I, 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 no, very I, close. You did not get thrown out, but very close. I, I got thrown out about two, three times last year, so you know the frustration was there last year. <laughs> For sure. I've seen, I've seen those refs talk to you, and I, I, they yeah. try to talk you off the ledge a little bit. They, yeah. they give you a little bit of a rope, but you, you're very close. You're very, hey, very close. I wanted to ask David about Fist. I, I know you was there for a whole four years. Did you really enjoy it? Tell me some things about Fist that you really enjoyed. Um, I did. I thoroughly enjoyed my time at Fist. Yeah. Um, I actually transferred in from a different NAIA in Kansas. Yeah. Yes. Um. So I spent my last three years at Fisk, and I just the whole family environment, being able to uh, have that one-on-one relationship with your teachers, uh, being able to know the president. A lot of people, you know, you talk, you ask them about their school, they don't even like they've never physically met yeah. their leader before. Yeah. So to have that opportunity, um, and then obviously on the basketball side, uh, DK has already spoken to how close we are. So yeah. just the whole family environment and being able to talk about personal things. And even to this point, just, uh, I think it was like a week ago, me and you were taking yeah. a walk on, on, on the track together. Yeah, that's I'm good. a former guy, you know, so for us, to have, for us to be able to build that relationship and I have relationships with, with that, with other people on this campus, it really it really is a blessing. Mm, it's great. You know what, David, you don't get that everywhere. That, that really does make it a little bit special. It really does. And for you to know, David, I miss all you guys. I miss you guys right now. We can't, I can't be around the campus and things of that nature and, mm-hmm. you know, with the coronavirus, but I miss interacting with the young guys that's playing, not only playing basketball, but go to Fist, the school, the whole thing about mm-hmm. being at Fist. I, I, I really do miss it, man. 
And I, yeah. I hope everything, you know, clears up where we can get back to school and I can see the returning players and the students and just everything. It's, it's been a blessing for me to come to a school like uh, Fisk. And I hope that, uh, you know, one day I can change the, the atmosphere as with the basketball team going forward next year. What's crazy about that is how you say you miss your players. Yeah. As a as a player, yeah. you just know when practice is over, you just can't wait to get out of there. Yeah. Uh, when you're around school, you're like, oh, I can't wait to graduate. But like now stepping stepping back as a coach yeah. and with this whole quarantine thing, I'm making Zoom calls to my players. <laughs> I'm texting yeah. them like, hope you're doing well. Like I genuinely miss my players and like miss being in that school atmosphere. So it's just crazy how I know how you talked about uh, maturity level when you're talking about Rodman. Yeah. On your past podcast, yeah, how, how just like even just this one year of maturity has totally changed your perspective on how you think about mm. you know people and situations. So that's all I want to say. Oh, great, that's great. You know, David. I mean, listen, I didn't know you. You know, on a personal level, like more, it was more of a basketball understanding. But to hear what you're saying right now and talk about how you miss coaching already and you miss the the, the kids already. I know that Kenny. I know we talked about getting up there for you know for the season up yeah. in Nashville, and uh, I would love to join you when you go over to check out David. But David, I, I'm going to be rooting for you hard. I promise you that. Well, listen, David, yeah. thank you very much for calling in and taking the time to kick it with us a little bit, and and I hope that we could even do it again in future podcasts coming up. And I hope I can see you in Nashville in a couple months. Just be safe, and um, and we'll be in touch. All right. Good to talk to you again. Um... I remember after my uh, first game of my senior year, yeah. we had a pretty intimate conversation. And yeah. ever since then, our, I think our relationship is slowly growing. So can't wait to have you here in Nashville. Me, me too, man. I I, uh, I connected with you from the beginning. I, I did feel bad about one thing, I have to be honest with you. When I was telling you, until they stop you, keep going to the hole. I remember saying that to you one time. <laughs> he kept shooting. The hole, and then Kenny was screaming at you for going to the hole. And I said, <laughs> And I said, oh, I, I can't talk about this. Hey, don't feel bad. I was going to do that anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I personally felt bad about that. Cause tell, you, tell him, Dave. I tell him. sat you Dave, down for a minute after that one. Yeah. Dave Patton didn't listen to me anyway. Yeah, well, yeah, I was for a whatever shoot, reason, I was a shooting he decided guy. to listen to me on that play, which I thought it was a great idea. But you, yeah. didn't, you didn't think it was such a hot idea at the time. So uh, he might have sit next to you right after that one. But yeah. I, I felt bad about that. I said, I, said, I don't think Dave's going to talk to me anytime soon. But uh, I appreciate that, David. I do miss you, and I do hope to see you soon. I truly do. Same here. All My right, man. Listen, you take care. All right. Thanks for having me on. All, all right. right. First of all, let me just start with uh, talking to David was great. You know what? Yeah. It was. That, that's, that's, that is really you, – you really miss it when you uh, have a conversation like that. You see what the pay forward is like. Yeah, definitely, man. Definitely. I miss him. And, uh, you know, I saw him on the track, uh, you know, Right off, right, uh, the fist track, and we talked, and uh, it's just, um, he, he's just a good young man, and uh, he's coaching, uh, helping out the student, uh, school wise. He's just a great guy, man. Yeah, it's yep. great. Great, he went to fist, and I and I coached him. He's awesome. That's great. You know, you know what? You'll have many more stories like that. I really, truly hope that because, uh, no, that's what it's all about right there. You know, you had him on the basketball court. Now you see what kind of young man he's turning into. Like you said, you know, that's beautiful right there. I do have to tell you that last show about the last dance. That was nuts. Yes. That was nuts. There, so all I could think about was so many similarities that I had to uh, ask you about. First of all, Kobe was talking about his relationship with uh, Michael. And he had big brother relationship. 
I had to ask you, you know, when you came in with a lot of fanfare, obviously number two pick in the draft, number one yes. actual player the year before, let's face it, you know, you were, you were target. And, uh, and I, I'm just curious, did anyone kind of talk to you as a, as a veteran, kind of give you some ins and outs? Did you have any relationship like that with anybody? Well, I had one, you know, Kenny Smith, who okay. I always, through high school, college, and, and so on, his brother had coached me, did a good job with me. But Kenny Smith was somebody I looked up to, and he played for the Sacramento Kings. He was like the number six pick. I played close attention to his growth and, um, you know, what he was going through, you know, through the lead and things of that nature. I was I was, I was, was just a different um, different young man. Uh, after high school, I, w- I was – you've been promising to make the NBA. It was like, right. not when he's going to, when it, it's like, when is he going to make, it? you know, it wasn't, is he going to make it? Right. You know right. what I'm saying? Cause I did well, high school, uh, college, and now I was going pro. So it was a big thing for me. And, um, I, I made it, I went number two in the draft that night. I was so excited and, um, it was great. And then I sat out to try to get more money, you know, and that's the, my, it kind of hurt me. My first year, it hurt me. You know, I didn't play a lot, right. you know, in uh, my first year because I tried to sit out. And we had a good a good point guard in front of me, Mookie Blaylock, who he played with the – they traded him to Atlanta and gave me the ball, let me do my thing. My second year, I, I did extremely well under Chuck Daly. So I was I was happy, uh, you know, with that. Well, you know, sometimes uh, too good is, is no good at some point because they're taking shots at you instead of trying to help you along. Could be a situation where – they don't want you to succeed so quick. It was a little bit different with Kobe. I think he was like the 13th pick. And even though they knew that he was a talented kid, at the same time, they did, They just didn't know, obviously, how talented. Or, obviously, he would have been the number one or two or, you know, somewhere in that, in that range. But sometimes they talk about the camaraderie between the older players and the younger players. I just wasn't sure if uh, that was like a normal relationship or that was just a little bit of an unusual one between uh, – Kobe and Michael. So I, I, I could see that that might have been a little bit different. Yeah, with, with me, it was, I was a little different. But, but Jordan and Kobe, Kobe, you know, wanted to go to the, the best player in the league, and that was Michael Jordan, to get a lot of his advice from. And he did, you know, and it was great. He took off where Michael left, you know what I'm saying? And uh, he, he had a, a, a hell of a career. In 97, he was a rookie. And I was on – I had signed my deal with Portland Trailblazers. We played the Lakers in the first round of the playoffs that year. And we uh, we lost to them. But in the regular season, we had our, you know, away with the, with the Lakers. But, you know, they had Kobe Bryant and Shaq. Right. Van Exel was on that squad. And they beat us. They beat us the first round. Kobe did okay. I'm not sure how much he averaged. But that's the year, 97, he uh, – he, he shot the air ball against Utah. Yes. And it's something he would remember. He, he would always remember. And I think after that, he just took off. You know, I think that uh, Shaq had uh, said so. He pulled him to the side right after that. I think it was almost back-to-back air balls. And at yeah. that point, he was just extremely dejected. And I just recall Shaq talking about that situation and said, you know, they might laugh right now, but they're going to fear you. They're going to fear you. And I remember uh, – you know, like you said, he just like probably went right back to the lab after that and uh, just started at it. He was a different kind of guy and he never wanted to go through that feeling again. You know, he was so at such a young age 
he was definitely trying to just take everybody's information. You know, he was just trying to go after everybody and get as much information at the same time. But it made me think about you because, again, you were 19 and you were a marked man. I mean, I remember people talking about, you know, how's Larry Johnson going to do? How are you going to do? How Billy Owens is going to do? You know, you guys were the top three picks and you guys are all marked at that point. So I'm sure people were coming at you hard. Yeah, it's, it's NBA, so it's very competitive. But one reason I like me going to New Jersey Nets is I was at home. I did everything at, at my high school and at, at Georgia Tech, and I was back in New York now. So I was I was familiar with everything, and I was confident. But I took the I took the money I took the money route. I, I waited, and and um, the coach wanted me in, in training camp, and I said, "Hey, we, I'm waiting. I'm waiting to sign." Right. I'm waiting to sign such and such a deal. That's what it was. I waited, and it kind of screwed me up a little bit my first year. But then I started playing. I played extremely well when uh, Mookie Blaylock was injured. Right. And I played extremely well. well so I, I knew it. And my coach, Jack Curran and Vincent Smith and Pierre Turner, well, they said, yo, just keep your mouth shut. You, you, you signed a five-year deal. You'll be here. Hey. Believe me, you'll be here. And um, I remember that, and I just kept my mouth shut. And I started just paying a, a lot more attention about the NBA game. And when I got my chance, my opportunity the following year, I just I went off. You, you know? ran with it at that point. Well, yeah. what people don't possibly remember is that now when you get uh, drafted, that you're kind of slotted for a certain pay scale. And back when you were drafted, you know, you were free to uh, negotiate whatever contract you negotiated. And there yes. were, obviously, there were holdouts at that time. So it wasn't that unique of a situation. And it was always the top picks that kind of like were holding out a little, just a little bit longer. You know, there was always that risk of cutting into your uh, training camp and then the beginning of the season. So those things were not that unusual. I mean, you know, it might have gotten a little deeper than others, but at that time, you were not plotting. It was a different. It was a different type of draft. It, it does change the landscape a little bit of rookies coming in now. They know exactly what they're walking into. They know this. They know the salary. They know the amount of years. That's pretty much laid out. In the meantime, there were so many other things that were going on in that show about modeling certain players' games after other players. And my thoughts, obviously, uh, was you. What I mean, did you have anybody that you aspired? or watch closely? I know you mentioned Kenny Smith, but uh, was there anyone maybe a little bit older that you used to kind of look for to steal a couple moves or? No, I was real unique. I look back on all my New York guys. Some of the guys, you know, was, you know, with uh, Mark Jackson, Rod Strickland, Pearl Washington, Kenny Smith. I, I, I took a lot from them guys. And Rod Strickland was somebody I looked up to. We we competed against each other a lot with different teams in the NBA. Mark Jackson, Kenny Smith, and, um, you know, I played against those guys when I was in the NBA. But um, Pearl Washington, he, he, he just recently passed. Uh, two, I, was it three years ago, three, four years ago he passed? He didn't make it, he didn't make it in the NBA. He, he played about three, four years in the NBA, Pearl Washington. But I just think his um not, not skill factor, his skill factor, he had everything. His work ethic, his his work ethic wasn't the same when he made it to the NBA. And that's why he didn't do as well as 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 he was expected. But all, all the other New Yorkers, I, I come from, you know, New York. So there's a lot of players, a lot of guards 
that I um, really watched so compete. Your, uh, your era had a lot of talented yeah. guards. I mean, the best guards coming out of high school were were in the New York area. You know, I, I have some friends that are even asking me today. There's a lot of articles about that. What happened to the New York, I guess, chain of point guards? Now, I know you got Cole Anthony coming out. And he was arguably the number one. I think it was Weissman was maybe number one and Anthony was two or vice versa uh, coming into their yeah. freshman year in basketball this year. There's always a, a name here and there, but it's not the factory that it used to be. And I'm just wondering if it's because the game's a little bit different in New York. Obviously, there's a lot of three-point shooting now that maybe the game might have been different in the 90s as far as the handling, the take it to the hole and dishing, that kind of uh, game might have been a little bit different than it is today. But it, it doesn't seem like it's putting out as many quality players as it once was. And yours yours was the, the best time as far as I can remember. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's a shame. And a lot of our New Yorkers are going elsewhere. They're going, they're doing other things, you know, such as the music business or, or they're going to prep schools. And then they go after prep schools, they're going to certain colleges and maybe making a pros and things of that nature. So it's a lot different. Now that I'm a college coach, I, I get to, I get to see these kids. It's just a little different now. Now these other states are really balling like Seattle, Washington, uh, Baltimore. They got really great talent. Even over here in Florida, you know, it, Florida's always yes. been a football state, but you got the uh, yeah. IMGs and uh, Mount Verdes. And I'll tell you right yeah. now, those are some of the top schools in the country. And I know you're talking about prep schools. They have some of the most talented kids in the country. Not sure where they're all coming from. That's the thing. I don't know if they're coming from, again, a Baltimore or Chicago or uh, California or, yeah. or even in New York. But all I know is that they are spending their time in the state of Florida now, which wasn't the case years ago. And that could be the, the reason for relocating where, where they're really coming from now. It's, it's pretty much all over, like you said. I got a question about something that I forgot to ask you last week that was something that, you know, it seems to just keep popping up. And that was, uh, there was a discussion about why Isaiah might have been left off the dream team. And one of the reasons or one of the things that come up is that, you know, the way the Pistons walked off that court when they played the Bulls, um, a lot of people feel like, you know, that was disrespectful, uh, while others say, you know what, that's acceptable. I know that a lot of people did feel that, you know, whether Jordan had anything to do with him not being on the team or being on the team and other players, you know, stepping up and having something to say about it. Do you feel that that move right then and there was something that was acceptable or did you feel that that was disrespectful? Well, I, don't, I don't think um, disrespectful, you know, back then, you know, guys wasn't really shaking guys' hands before or after the game, you know what I'm saying? But it's what we what people will look at and say, hey, man, that guy ain't shake hands. That's, uh, that's kind of bad. But at the end of a season, as a playoff series, excuse me, we usually – you usually, you know, say, hey, good, good series or boom, good luck, you know, furthering your, you know, your, your series, boom, and that's it. You, you walk off the court. But, um, you know, it's kind of hard to say. But Detroit, now, you got to remember, Detroit, bad boys, that's who you're playing against. So, you know, something was going to happen. You had the Celtics that apparently did that 
prior to the series with uh, the Bulls, maybe a year or two before that. I wasn't sure. But the Celtics supposedly walked off the court or did walk off the court when yes. Dantley was yeah. still shooting foul shots. I didn't know anything about that. Never heard of anything about that. But it, is, it did happen uh, after Isaiah brought that up. However, my feeling was Isaiah kind of knew it still wasn't right because if you remember – he ducked down. He was yeah. trying to like literally become invisible yeah. walking off that court. Yeah. So he knew what he was doing wasn't right. So for him to reach back and talk about what happened with the Celtics prior, I thought was a bit of a reach. But at the same time, yeah. maybe, you know, maybe some people don't take it as as personally as others. So I just wanted to get your perspective as a player, what you know, what that would have meant to you if someone had walked off the court while the game's still going on. Would that have bothered you? Yeah, I, I would. Me personally, I, I, it is what it is. Hey, you know, we we beat them. Let's move yeah. on to the next. I'm not even. I really. I'm, I'm not even checking for him to tell you the truth. If he, he give me a handshake right. or not, I'm I'm moving on. Hey, that's let's good. go. No, good job. Yeah, let's, See, that's move on. Let's that's, move on. That people really have to know because as a fan, I thought that that was wrong. However, I didn't know that the Celtics did that prior. I would have said that was wrong then. But you want to know something from a player's perspective? Some players don't seem to really be bothered by it. So it, it's interesting that, you know, that has been brought up during in the documentary as possibly, you know, one of those things that just, you know, really didn't sit well with Pippen and Jordan and yeah. could all of these things cumulatively but been I, an issue. Yeah, I believe, you know, in totality, yes, I think it could have been an issue. But that right there, that – single moment obviously would not have been a defining decision in in whether he plays or doesn't play but it's interesting that it was still brought up with the, with those two teams you you got to understand there's a lot of hatred you know with Detroit and Chicago oh. you know Chicago was trying to beat them for two years straight and couldn't and then they win and then boom you know Isaiah Thomas the leader the captain of the ball club goes and um wouldn't shake Scotty Pippen and Jordan's hands. And that's just, that's just what yeah. it is, man. I think at the time it was a little bit of being salty. You know, I, I think it was a little being salty. Let's call a spade a spade, you know, but I personally would have handled it, you know, different than, different than Listen, that. I, I would have been salty too. I, I played at the JCC and I would have been salty. Yeah. So I couldn't imagine, yeah. I couldn't <laughs> imagine in a playoff game like that or a playoff series move on to something else that's just been blowing up uh, the whole talk about uh, what happened with uh, Nike and, and Adidas and what was going on with having a signature shoe. People don't even realize that that was really not even a personalized basketball opportunity for players at that time to have their own signature shoe. Uh, I know that watching yeah. those commercials with magic and, uh, and bird, you know, they had the converse, but it was like, yes. both repping that same converse i think bernard king was in that yeah. uh maybe even I, I think isaiah was in that but to have their own yeah. individual shoe i know that you did have your shoe with nike if i'm not mistaken is that correct oh yes when i got drafted i went to a few i went to converse uh reebok and nike and i just went with the bigger spender you know period i just went you know my first year out you know i went with nike yeah. You know, I, I love Nike. Yep. And after after my uh, contract was over, and then I had to think about, you know, which 
what sneakers should I go with? What a little bit more money, I went with Reebok then. Okay. <laughs> you know, so so I went with Reebok. I, I played for Puma, and Puma is my almost my last year. And then I went back to oh, Nike. So you did bounce around. I thought it was Nike all the way. I didn't yeah. realize that you had a, a few no. of them. So no. did they? Now, how did no. that work? Was it when you first got drafted? They were already in talks. With yes. You, so you hadn't even played yet. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't play yet. Uh, I went with Nike. They signed me. Nike signed. Well, they had to be, you know, they had to be after, again, the top picks. That's who they were trying to get right out of the gate. Wouldn't it be terrible to ask which ones you like best? Oh, I I like Nike. I'm always, I'm I'm always going to be a Nike guy. (laughs) You know, that's just me. They only gave Allen Iverson, Reebok deal, long-term deal. And Michael Jordan, the Nike deal, long-term. Those were the two big ones. He got jump, man. He got jumped, man. Yeah, those are two big got ones. It. So AI did put Reebok on the map with that, with that basketball. Season. Yeah, so that yeah, he was he was the guy there. Yeah. Yes, he and was. He got you know Steph doing his thing now with his with, with his deal, and yeah. he did the exact same thing. Prior to Steph, he was going to be just another cog in that Nike machine, but he stepped out and did his own thing. Yeah, a lot of guys were stepping out doing their own thing. They wanted more money and more yeah, say so. Exactly. Of of a, of a get for sneakers and and I, and I understood it. Yeah, I understood. People, you know, the players do want to have some input in their uh, in the styles yeah. and the and uh, the technology. I mean, even you know, Michael made yeah. a comment. Uh, I don't know if you caught that where he put on his old kicks for his last game at the Garden when he was with the Bulls. He said yeah. his feet were just killing him because sneakers had come a long way, and he was he was wearing sneakers from 15 years ago, and they were killing him. It's definitely changed, that's for sure. But Going back to that time, I wanted to ask you about when you were an All-Star. They showed some video of the 98 All-Star game, and it it really did seem like it was still competitive. Like, people were not just laying down in an All-Star game and letting people just have their way. They were talking about really making people work and and going after them. And and I used to think that the 90s was a time that people really, they were going after it in in an All-Star game, whether it's an exhibition game or not. You were on the 94, 93, 94 All-Star team. What was that like? I mean, do you recall what the culture was? Yeah, I, re- I remember somewhat. You know, um, it was great. Um, I played with a Georgia uh, Georgia Tech alum, uh, Mark Price, who played with Cleveland. And, uh, you know, uh, Scottie Pippen won the MVP. Uh, he, he played extremely well, but he didn't pass the ball. I thought he should have passed the ball. Um, and me, Derek Coleman, we played, and uh, uh, Coach Lenny Wilkins was our coach because Cleveland, they was yeah. in the league at the halfway point. And, uh, and we we said when we – me and Derek was pissed off because we played – because we had to start because we started. But we was pissed off. You know, he didn't play us a lot more minutes. He said, okay, we'll, you know, next week we got the regular – you know, we got the season start back. Yo, we're going to kill Cleveland oh, when we played them. <laughs> so we, we, we was just frustrated. The way we, how many minutes and everything we played, and he went with his guy Mark yeah. Price, and Mark Price lit him up and played extremely well, and we won. And I, all I remember, I remember we get like I think it was twenty thousand. They just gave us a check, boom. After after we left at the locker room, they, I think we won and we got twenty thousand. If so I'm funny. not mistaken, you know what? it was a great All Star game. No, it was exciting, and then we 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 went and then um, we had a great time. It was exciting, but it was in um. In Minnesota, it was very free. It was it was cold out there. It was oh freezing God. out there. February in Minnesota, that that's rough. Do you remember, like you mentioned, uh, Scotty not passing the ball much? 
But do you remember a certain camaraderie? Yeah. Or again, was it just a different time where it wasn't just that kind of camaraderie that you would see today? I mean, what was what was the vibe then? The vibe was okay. If you was close to the guys that played on a team, you was close, you talked to every you talked to everyone, but if you was close, you know, you had those type of guys who you just, you know, was close with. And and that's just what it was, man. And I, I think uh, nowadays it's a little better. All the guys at NBA relate to everybody now. But when we when we was playing, it was a little different. It was a little different. Whoever you related relate with, that's who you was cool exactly. with. Exactly. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You didn't have a lot of friends that played on the or on, this, on right. different teams. You like you talk about your Pan American last week. We talked about your Pan American experience. You know, when you were playing in the Pan American yeah. games, that's when you're gonna have some of these memories and those memories will carry forward. I would imagine if you see the, some of these same guys in an all-star you know, situation or, you know, home game or, or away game at their arena, you know, then you're going to have that relationship, but otherwise you're pretty much stuck to what you knew, which was your own squad. Yeah, definitely. You know, we was an Eastern team. So we, t- uh, Pat, I think, was it Patrick Ewan, Charles Oakley, uh, John Stocks was he made the All Star team that year, and it was me, uh, Derek Coleman, you know. So we knew a bunch of those guys. It was cool, you know, uh, the All Star uh, so weekend. They weren't trying to like muscle you out of there. You and you and DC, they weren't trying to muscle you out when uh, they had three of the Nick players, and there was you two representing the Nets. We we just talked. We was gonna beat both of them. Cleveland, we had Cleveland and the Knicks. We had to beat them with the, with the All Star game because. You know, we just wanted to beat the Knicks. Uh, Cleveland, the coach, jerked us exactly. for our playing time, you know, in the All-Star game. So we, we well, had to I, beat them. I do remember when uh, the Heat had the big three and uh, they were in their first All-Star game with uh, Paul Pierce and Garnett, Ray Allen. Yeah. And I think even Rondo might have been on that team. And, like, they were they were trying to, like, muscle up on the Heat. They were trying to flex on them a little bit. And doing a little trash talking, letting them know that you know they're still they're still there. Like you know, during that All Star weekend, it wasn't the same kind of camaraderie that you would have expected today. So it can get like that. I got to tell you this one story that I went to a party one time at an All Star weekend, and I was with Michael Ray Richardson at the time, and we were leaving actually, and out of the corner of his eye, he saw Michael, and Michael was with uh, yeah. Oakley and a couple other guys. Sugar, but well, Michael Ray Richardson walks over and him and Jordan are, you know, hugging it out and um, they're talking. And the other people didn't know who Michael Ray was. So Jordan goes on to tell a story how they were in, in his first All Star game that Fitch was the coach. And he either didn't play Michael Ray Richardson at all or he played him very little. And Michael Ray was seething on the bench, just absolutely seething. And all he kept saying is, I'm going to get you next game. I'm going to get like, you know, he just kept like telling the other players around him, he's going to get him. He lit him up for over 40 points when they played the Celtics. He tore them apart. And and the crazy thing is, (laughs) Jordan remembered that like it was yesterday. Yeah. I I don't remember that game after. I I wonder, because Cleveland, they was getting it that year for me. I I played extremely well, man. I think I had 41 game, 30-something, 40. I got to go back and look. They well, definitely you know, got it, though. Dames are going to get up for it. You always wanted to get after the any Georgia Tech alumni anyway. You always told me you wanted to be the best coming out of that school. So if you get up for Mark Price, it wouldn't, sh- it wouldn't shock me. Anyway, listen, again, 
thank you for doing this with me. It was great to catch up with David. Great to catch up on some just some more history with you. We'll do it again next week. Definitely, my man, man. Right. It's great. Hey, thank exactly. you so much. Hey, you awesome. Be safe and I love you, and I'll talk to you later, man.